You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. It's been so busy. I wasn't here last week. The holidays, so much stuff to talk about. The first Torah portion were like loaded with stuff. So, um, but let's give a quick recap. So, the holidays were last week. And I had my grandchildren. It seems all my children already had COVID-19. And they, they tested. And they have the antibodies. We had the kids. Um, lots of people in the house. Um, I do not live in a mansion by any stretch of the imagination. And everyone fit. Everyone fit. We fit every single person in the house. Now, that meant we rolled out mats and we, we put a bunch of mats on the floor. And you may not have had as much privacy as you were used to. But um, everybody was great. We had such a nice time. Everyone was together and everybody was happy. It's so interesting. I told my wife. When the holiday was over and everybody left, I said, uh, you know, I prayed every day. You know what I prayed for? And she says the same thing I prayed for. And that was that we should all be um, happy with each other's company. We should all enjoy each other's company. No one should get on anybody's nerve. We should all be friendly. We should all be, we should all be good with each other. So I did something really quite fascinating. If you've ever had, you know, guests, company, children... And it's a break time from school, so you got to entertain everybody. And so what do you do to entertain everybody? What can you do? You go to the zoo. You could go to, we have this discovery place in Toledo, but everything is closed. And even if it's open, you're wearing masks, and the kids weren't so happy with that. They didn't feel that was a break. So I said, if we can't go to the entertainment, let's bring the entertainment to us. So what I did was, um, for one day... We rented, it's so funny called renting, we rented a petting zoo. So they come with this big trailer, and they've got chickens and rabbits and a goat. They had a llama, we didn't take that out. I think they have a cow, we didn't take that out. Um, they had a horse. So first we, we said we wanted the horse for the bigger kids, but the little ones were too scared. So we got a pony, and they're going around in circles, and they're walking around with the goat. Just a fantastic, fun time being together. Everyone got to do something no long lines. He wanted to go twice around or three times around. So that was, that was one day that was just beautiful. And again, just getting everybody um, to smile. And I took a ton of pictures. You know, you got to love, uh, you gotta love our, our smartphones because you can take a bazillion pictures and a few are bound to come out good. Um, so the next day, we, were gonna, we had rented one of these like bouncy houses. But it's really meant for little kids. Four, five, six, seven. And my 12-year-old says, it's not fair. Like, what am I going to do? So I said, you know what? Tell mommy to call them. We want to rent the slide. So we called them. The truck was already out. So we had to pay restocking. But in the end, we, 
we got this slide. It's 21 feet tall. Not the top, not where you slide from. The, they blow this thing up. They come to your backyard. They set it up. You need like 25 by 30 feet, which was fine. We had it, barely, but we had it. The thing is humongous. They clean it for you to make sure no germs or anything. And we had it for six hours. So you go inside, eat lunch, you come out, the family slid down, you went down with your friends, you rolled down. It, it, it was unbelievable. I have pictures watching certain children. Now, everybody was happy. But, you know, there's some children that it's sometimes hard to get them to smile. And the smiles were so wide and so bright. It was really, really amazing. And because uh, we always look to do things, family, we're going to talk about it in the next show a little bit more. We talk uh, some things I learned about COVID over the holiday season. But what we really need to do is talk about this week's Torah portion. After Simchat Torah, so we completed the Torah with the Torah portion of Zos Bracha, which we talked about in an earlier show. Now, as we say, we're back at the beginning because we're always reviewing, always going over, always learning new stuff. So I decided this week what I wanted to do in this show was take a lesson from really every day of creation, and then depending how much time we have left, um, a few other important lessons, like a lot of lessons in this Torah portion. But before we even begin, there's a famous question that the commentaries deal with, the Rashi and the Ramban are on top, and uh, everybody wants to know if the purpose of the Torah is a law book, why bother me with all these stories? Very nice stories. And you can have the stories in the oral law and the Midrash, which anyways we get a lot of stories from the Midrash. So like put the whole story in the Midrash, let it be oral and uh, written. It's a law book. Let us get all the rules and regulations written down. And why bother me with stories? This is a very, very famous question. Of course, the Torah would be more boring. It's true. But that's the question. So there's at least, there may be numerous, but we're going to discuss two answers. One answer is Rashi. Rashi says, his, the Hebrew is koach masav higid lamo, that God showed his power to his nation and really to the world. If the nations of the world will ever come and say to the Jewish people, well, you stole this land of Israel, so we can answer, open up the book. The book said God wants us to have Israel, so therefore we can live here. Uh, this is an old conversation. Right? I was, this is talking about when the Jewish people entered the land of Israel with Joshua and again with, uh, with Ezra. On a modern day, it's, there's too many nuances to get into that question, how it applies. So we're going to keep away from that. So Rashi says simply that God wants to show the world, if I just gave you a law book, so it's not in writing. It's not black and white. So you don't have this, this statement from God that I created the world and I can do whatever I want with it. So therefore, we need this Torah portion, which is beautiful. However, that only covers the first chapter. Because after that, we got stories with, with uh, Adam and Chava, right? Adam and Eve, and, and eating from the fruit, and, and their children, uh, Cain and Hevel, or Cain and Abel, and then we get the story with a snake, and, the, and then we're, we're going to get the story of Noah coming up next week. What do I need all that for? So that's the Ramban, Nachmanides takes a whole different direction with this question. And he says like this, philosophers 
believe, and I'm not a big philosopher, even though I did have a book in my house um, that I brought up for the, my son-in-laws to read because they like some of the stuff I get, but this one was really too much. It was a very fascinating book, by the way. It's called Letters to a Buddhist Jew by a Rabbi Akiva Tatz. It's a, a bunch of letters between him and a Jewish person who was involved in Buddhism, and uh, they, they just have the conversation, but it, it turns philosophical. So for a lot of people, the philosophy is just too deep and too, too hard to read. It's, it's not a novel, you know what I mean? So anyways, but philosophers believe that even if they believe that there's a God, they believe, first of all, that God doesn't care about this world. They believe God will not or a person cannot talk to God which leads to a lot of problems. That means there's no prophecy. So if there's no prophecy, how did God give us the Torah? There's no reward and punishment. So who cares if you're good or bad anyways, because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. And, uh, and again, so and God's not here watching. So again, I, I'm free to do as I please. So therefore, Nachmanides says, all these Torah portions are for, are for that purpose, to show God does care. God does talk to man. And God punishes, right? And, and this, just to touch on a few easy ones, right? Um, when Chava gives the fruit, that fruit from that tree of knowledge to Adam, so God comes back and says, what'd you do? I told you not to eat from the tree, right? You see right there, God is talking. God says, you're going to be punished, right? So, so they had to leave the Garden of Eden, and women will have pain in childbirth, and man will have to work to plow the fields, and and the snake now is going to be on its stomach, and it's going to eat dirt, right? So you see right away, right? God cares. He's paying attention. He's talking to people. Reward and punishment. All the basic stuff of believing in Hashem and believing in God is right there. Um, and you keep going. It's, it's over and over. Noah, right? Again, God talks to Noah. The world is not behaving. They're warned. They don't listen. They're punished. They all get destroyed. Noah survives. He leaves the ark. Um... You have the tower, tower of Bavel, right? The Jaraflaga, same idea. So over and over and over and over again right? by the, the, the patriarchs, right? Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov, God speaks to them clearly. So this concept is throughout all these upcoming Torah portions. So it's not just a story. It's, it's telling us that God did not pack out, right? He cares about the world. He talks to people. Therefore, there's reward and punishment, and that we would only have a proof to because we have all these stories. So therefore, according to Nachmanides, this is, um, this is the foundation, a foundation to believe in God. We need to know all this stuff. How do we know? We know it through the Torah portion. Okay, fine. That's, that's to get the point that God runs the world. Therefore, we have this week's Torah portion, and for that alone, I've given you a good lesson. But what I wanted to talk about is each day, right? There's seven days of creation. And we say six days of creation and then the Sabbath, which rest itself may be a creation. Okay, we won't get so nitty-gritty. But let's give a quick look at everything that, you know, every day, something that happened on each day and what's, what's in it for us. What's the lesson? What can I take away? Of course, there's, there's a ton of stuff we could take away, but I only have so much time. So, okay, everybody knows the first day that uh, God created light. There was darkness. It was, a, it was a physical darkness. 
And then God created light. So my son has to speak by a brother-in-law's, um, he's getting married next week, his brother-in-law, so he has to speak. He's going to speak uh, by one of the meals. So, of course, he reminded me a month ago, and of course I forgot. So he reminds me, I think, Saturday night. And they're leaving, no, Sunday night, I'm sorry, Sunday night after the holiday. And he says, oh, yeah, weren't you going to write me a speech? I said, yeah. Um, when do you need this? Oh, I need it like in a week. I said, okay, give me a few minutes. Pull out some books. And, um, and, I, and I told him basically the following, that this is a lesson, the idea of darkness and light, the Chavetz Chaim says, right, if a room is full of darkness, right, a room is pitch black, you can bring in all the tools you want, your shovels and your bags and your and your machinery, uh, you can't get the dark out of the room, right? That even sounds silly, right? You can't get the dark out of the room, except for one thing. you got to bring in some light. And even a little bit of light, we all know, famous songs, pushes away the darkness. Obviously, if it's a bright light, uh, the darkness is gone. But even a little bit of light has the power to take care of darkness, Right? Something that sometimes we have to think about, right? When there's a lack of light, you can't see anything. Yeah, you know, we, we live with light. We have uh, electric light bulbs. When I was up north, I have my flashlights. But, but even when you're, you go away and it's dark, you know, half mile down the road is, is a shopping center. It's still light in the sky. You don't realize how light it is. Pitch black? That, I told my class, uh, you need like a major blackout that wipes out, uh, you know, a third of the country like we had a good 15 years ago. That's dark. You really can't see. I mean, the stars are amazing. But that one little candle in your, in your bungalow, you know, all of a sudden you can see. Now you can't see great. Maybe you can't read so good, but you can see. And that's really a lesson, the Chavetz Chaim says, for children. Dark always represents when we're having a difficult time. That's darkness. Uh, my son was unhappy. He, his roommates, because uh, I've talked to him a bunch of times, they were in pods, and the purpose of the pods is that if somebody does come down with corona, so you don't have to wipe out the whole city, you just close off that apartment. Well, sure enough, three guys in his uh, apartment came down with corona, so they, they shut it down. So my son was a little depressed. Like, it's, it's not easy. You went through two weeks of quarantine, you came back to school, now it's the holidays, it's the middle of the holidays, you're all locked up. So I will speak to him tomorrow. He's, he is out of the quarantine. He's a little depressed, right? That's darkness. You need some light. You need something to help you feel better. So that's the lesson really for all of us, but especially for children. Something's not working out well. Something's not going the way you would like it to go. You're having difficulty or, or whatever we want to imagine. It doesn't take... A, a, a mega spotlight to fix things. It could be something very, very small. That little candle. It could be a smile. It could be talking. It could, it could be numerous things, but it doesn't take a lot. Now, it's, sometimes we have to help people, especially children, understand. They think like the world is collapsing on them. And we don't have to do something major to, to, to get them out of a funk. Like I said, you know, I rented that petting zoo and the, the slime. It's not major. You know what I mean? We're, this was not an earth-shaking, earth-shattering project that it took all kinds of uh, 
power and persuasion and, and piles of money. It didn't take too much to do something that made a lot of children happy. So we have to keep that in mind. The, the idea that God made light, so now the, the, it pushes the darkness away, that's everything in life. We think it's dark. It just takes a little bit, something good, a little bit to push away the darkness. Okay, good. That's lesson for day one. Day two. Day two, it says the, the heavens, whatever this means, the heavens were like weak. That was God created the earth and the heavens, but there wasn't a solid separation. So on the second day, God creates a solid separation between heaven and earth. And what happens is the, the, the heaven is made up of water and fire. So you have the upper waters and the lower waters. So the lower waters um, went to God, however they did this. And they said, it's not fair. These, these upper waters get to hang out with you. What do we get out of the deal? So God said, very good. Good, good that you want spirituality. I'll tell you what we're going to do. Every sacrifice that is brought on the, in the temple has to be salted. And the salt, generally, at least in those days, the salt will come, will be like ocean salt, like sea salt. So you have to take that water, you're going to evaporate it, but that salt will, will be representative for the water, so that water has its opportunity to be sacrificed, so it'll have its spirituality. And there also happens to be, on the holiday we just finished, the Sukkot holiday, um, the water, there's actually a special sacrifice where we take a jar of water and every day at a holiday and we pour the water down a funnel on the top of the altar. And it was a, it was a huge deal. They danced day and night with this water sacrifice. Again, it was a prayer for rain and other stuff. But um, that's, that's what happened, or one of the things that happened on the second day. So the lesson, this is part one of the lesson. We're going to, as we move along, we'll see uh, how to deal with it. There's nothing wrong with asking questions per se. Even sometimes if we're complaining, there's a good complaint and there's a bad complaint. Right? A good complaint is, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, a good complaint is when my son says to me, you know, he would really like when we study that um, I shouldn't take phone calls from other children. That's a good complaint. Because he's, he's not asking for anything bad. He's not complaining that that uh, life is horrible. He wants to study. I'm officially giving him my time to study. And at the same time, he gets interrupted. He doesn't like to be interrupted. I said, very, very good. I said, tell you the truth, here's the problem. I said, between you know th- my three sons, I said, you own all my time. And I was, you guys could have two and a half hours of my evening. Nah, and I work all day, right? So sometimes I need to talk to someone. And I'll try to hang up on them as quickly as possible and tell them that we're studying. But it's a good complaint. In other words, not every complaint is bad. Not every time somebody says something to us, are they accusing us, are they fighting with us, are they starting up with us. There could be good complaints also. There's nothing wrong with a good complaint. We have to be honest with ourselves. We have to recognize what you're saying is good. And then the question is, can I help you? Sometimes I could. Sometimes I can't. I obviously have to be a little more cognizant when a call comes in and I have to tell the child, call, I say, don't call me after 10.30. Can I call you back in a few minutes? I have to make sure I don't let them get uh, long-winded 
while somebody else is standing by uh, nervous. So that's lesson number two. Lesson number two is there's such a thing as a good complaint. Okay, good. Number three. The third day, so it says God um, had the grass and the trees. Now, it's interesting. Um, the grass and the trees, there's uh, almost a contradiction in verses. It says God made the grass and the trees on the third day, but then we find um, Adam praying for rain, and, uh, and then all the grass and the trees grow. So what it means is like right below the surface, the grass and the trees were ready to come out, but they didn't come out yet because they're waiting for Adam to pray for rain so that, that the first man can recognize it's true. He came into a world, and the world is beautiful, and it's all set up. But since he just, like, showed up when everything's already set up, does he really recognize the good that was done? Right? If you walk into an empty room, and then all of a sudden you watch tables get rolled in and chairs get rolled in and tablecloths set out and waiters come in and they start putting out uh, the china and the forks and the water bottles and, and, the, and stuff on the table. And maybe they start getting ready for the food and the food is cooking in the kitchen. And then you continue watching and then they put all the food out on the table and then the guests start to come. So the guests start to come. Oh, yeah, it looks pretty, very nice, very beautiful. And, uh, but you saw the whole thing. So you have a much greater appreciation so our third lesson is we have to make sure when we see things that are set up for us and we forget, right? Our wives take care of the house, right? You come home, right? You have a running, functioning house, healthy children. It's happening because someone's been spending a whole day making sure that it's a running, happy, functioning um, house. You didn't see all the effort that went into it at the beginning of the day. So if we could go ahead and, and recognize when we see something good and, you know, stop and pause and say, wow, look how much effort went in for this goodness, right? It's going to make us a better person. We talk about gratitude all the time. It becomes easier to have gratitude when you recognize that something good was done, right? And that's how husbands get in trouble. When they just, you know, they're used to the laundry being done every day. They're used to supper being on the table when they get home. They're used to the children being clean. Uh, they're used to the toys being cleaned up. They're used to the linens being spread out. But somebody did that, right? So sometimes we're just so used to, you know, coming in, everything is good, we forget that there was an effort behind all that. You have to be, you have to have gratitude for that. My time is flying, and I don't think I'm going to finish. Anyways, fourth day, um, the sun and the moon are put in their places. That way, the, the verse says, so we know when the holidays are. It almost sounds like the main point of the sun and the moon is to make sure we, we have... Uh, we have seasons, and we have a calendar, and we have holidays, so we need to know that. So the Medrash says the sun and the moon were the same size. So the moon says to God, says, uh, how can you have two kings, right? Sun by day, moon by night, two equal kings doesn't make sense. So God says, you're right, and he made the moon small. Right? So this, by the way, is the opposite of what I told you about the second day. If the second day was the concept of a good complaint... The fourth day of creation is the concept of an inappropriate complaint, right? I'm complaining we're both equal, so I obviously want you to, to, to fall down. That kind of complaining that I don't like that we're equal and I want to be better, that's a bad complaint. So we got to recognize what's a good complaint. We have to recognize what's a bad complaint. It's simple. A good complaint is I want to be better. A bad complaint is I want more. 
right? I want you to have less, I want to have more. That's a bad complaint. A good complaint is that I want more, but I want more of something good. I want more spirituality is pretty much what would focus in on. I want to be able to do more good. I want to be able to be more helpful. That's a good complaint, but I, I think we all know what that is. And my seconds are ticking by. Um, yeah, I ain't going to make it. Anyways, the fifth day, by the way, the fish and the birds were created. Um, and God gives a blessing on the fifth day to the birds and the fish, which he does not give on the sixth day when man is created. That way, he threw everything in there. And that is that God says, be fruitful and multiply. Now, really, he could have given it on the sixth day also, but that would include the snake, and God didn't want to bless the snake. Okay, we don't want to get into all that. But what I, here comes the music. But at least I want you to figure out from here that God wants a populated world. He wants families. He wants children. He wants a good world. He wants to do what we're supposed to do. Oh, so many lessons I didn't even get to scratch all the things I wanted to talk about. But the music is playing. I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Wishing uh, all of you a good new year. It's, uh, you know, the year has now begun. The school year hopefully begun. And anyways... Thank you to all my wonderful sponsors and listeners. You I can't do without you. Thank you to the wonderful production team we have. David and Kelsey in the back. I will have less than food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi T. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah and Aaron's Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. Every house we can build, every room inside.